for him. Lord, we thank you for your presence. Thank you that it's your presence that makes us different. Father, thank you that you speak to us. Holy Spirit, you lead us into truth. Through the worship, through the word, but sometimes through just you speak something that is totally unconnected. We open our hearts to you and we say, we trust you. Anoint Tony as he shares today. But do more than what he's envisioned and planned. In Jesus' name. Amen. Um, uh, Teramasaki. Uh, Teramasaki. Uh, hello. Um, Namasaya Tony. That's the extent of my Indonesian, I can tell you. <laughs> Before we get started, can we read um, Psalm 23? Would you like to turn with me if you have Bibles? The Lord is my shepherd. He's the shepherd of my soul. I shall not want... He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Um, there's a reason why I've read that, and hopefully you'll recognise some parts of it. This talk is a sort of a combination of uh, feedback of the trip and another talk that I had organised already. But we as a church supported, if you want to bring up the Indonesian map. Um, oh, yeah. So the T-shirt. I got the T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So interestingly, uh, the guys at the... Um, Jeff, uh, jo was it Joshua? Designed this... Not Joshua. Johan. Johan designed this. Not our Johan. Um, so there are five different batik patterns here representing different islands and their designs. So it was just a wonderful um, design that they put together. Um, the next one, please. Um, now, this is the map that was used to, on the prayer night on the Wednesday before, uh, while I was away. And it's quite interesting how diverse Indonesia is. And there were people from Papua... Not up to um, Aceh, but to the next one down, and, the, and islands off the coast. I mean, Indonesia is, they say, 1,900 islands with 800 that don't have any inhabitants at all. So there's 1,100 islands of populated land. And that list of people, and I'm not going to try and match 
where Amar came from, but it is down here in Kupang. Um, I met people from there to there to there, like Kalimantan. I met a number of these people. And when I introduced myself, I pulled up this slide because I had a photograph where someone took that picture. Oh, was it you, Fiona? And said, our church is praying for this. And they were just so pleased. Because the thing about this uh, particular equip is that it's been four years since these Christians and workers in ministry had the chance to come back together to be encouraged, to be strengthened, to hear the word at a different level than what they were doing. Just for instance, um, one lady who comes from Timor, which is down here, um, went as a teacher to Papua, Papua, and she was there as the only Christian in her area. If you want to bring up the next one, please, Christy. So she's the lady on the right-hand side, and uh, her name is Desi, or her name tag said Daisy, which was easier to remember. But Desi went as a, uh, a teacher to an area, and she wanted to be a witness, and she'd been there for years by herself. And she came to this equip, and she came with, I think, shoulders down. She was pleased to be there, but she was really aware of the load that she brought with her. And in the ministry time, and I'll show a video in a minute, um, she was sitting behind me, so I just turned and I was praying, just holding her elbow. I wasn't praying out loud for her, someone else was doing that, but just supporting her in the prayer that was being said. The next day, after that prayer for burdens, that's what was called out prophetically. Is anyone here with burdens that they needed to have God speak and help them? And she had her hand up. And so God moved on her in that prayer time. And the next day, I um, went to have lunch. And I'd seen her in the conference, or sorry, in the meetings, and I could tell there was something different about her. Her countenance was changed. And so I was eating lunch and I saw her there and I thought, no, I'll just go over. There's something about what Johan was saying last week. You've got to actually move and go and do something. And I moved and went over to her and I said, you don't know me um, and I haven't prayed for you or had anything to do with you, but I can tell there's something different since last night. And it just meant so much to her that someone could see on the outside what was physically different about her, that the burdens had come off. And there was so much of that that was going on during this time. These are a group of people from various parts of Indonesia who are involved in witnessing, in, in reaching out, in testifying to Jesus, of trying to lead little home groups. Um, so we heard that um, during the COVID time, uh, at least three people went back to their hometown, to their village, to their people, and started churches. Young people just went back and started churches. And they came to this saying, I'd like to be equipped. I need more, you know. 
Desperate, yeah. So there are a whole bunch of people. I mean, you should have heard the worship on the first night. I, it was awful. <laughs> but they sang so loud and so hard. I mean, they were there to worship. It was just a, a crazy mess. But beautiful in one other sense, that they were there because they were wanting to worship together after being apart for four years, for, for some of them. It was really wonderful. The next person uh, is Chris and his wife from Japan. They were there. And Chris shared a story with us during the course of his message that their daughter, when she was five, their second daughter, when she was five, developed uh, cystic fibrosis. And I'm not familiar with that very much, except that he said that it's a bit like you have this permanent pneumonia and your lungs are being saturated by liquid all the time. And so they spent years going back and forth to hospitals to try and have treatments done. And she was one of a handful of people in the, all of Japan. So like, a, what is it, 120 million people. And there were, it was just a really unknown kind of phenomenon in that country. And they prayed. And God spoke to them and changed them, but she didn't improve. And they paid, prayed for three years, five years, and they prayed. And God was faithful, and he changed them, but she was still unwell. He got to five years, and Chris and his wife's prayers had gone from, Lord, would you heal her, to, Lord, would you have mercy upon her? If you can't heal her, Will you take her? Will you be kind and take her? And so they prayed on and on and on. And after five years, God healed her. Eight years of prayer, God healed her. So there was lots of reality in the, the messages and the conversations with people about what it was like for them to live in this disparate landmass across Indonesia. Um, but they were so pleased to be there. And there were people from um, all parts of the world that turned up to Indonesia. There was uh, three or four people from Canada, Wow Pai, um, Denver. Denver. Uh, actually, oh no, I didn't bring a, didn't do that. But anyway, so I've got a video. Um, so you'll see these people, you'll see Desi, you'll see um, other people, um, and uh, it'll give you a bit of an idea of what it was like. Yeah, thanks, Christy. Sing, Johnny. Sing. <laughs> Blessed is he. <laughs> Who comes in the name of the Lord?
Yopi uh, in black. on the guitar is a guy called Piddell. I'll talk about him in a minute. There's Desi. Elodie from Melbourne. Peter from Singapore getting into it. That's Brian from Papua. Chris from, uh, sorry, James from New Zealand. That's um, Johan in the background, Frankie in the front here, and his wife, Emilia. That's Ian, who's been to our church. That's Ryan who's visited us at the church. There's the guy from Denver, Evan. Michaela, who is about two feet taller than anybody else at the meeting. Bean on the left. I think they're repeating a lot of these things. Um, this is. I'm grateful. That God give me European heaven. I'm grateful that God gave me Ian and all. Who have wise counsel of wisdom. And who pray for us before they even met and got to know us. Um, I downloaded one, but that's not the one. That was a, a different link. <laughs> so, it showed, yeah, it showed most of the stuff, didn't it? Um, yeah. The conference theme was uh, set at 1 Peter 2.25, if you want to bring that one up. 
for we like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of our souls. And so what the, the input was around is that Jesus is the shepherd of our souls. When it comes to caring for the people in your group, in your church, in your tribe, treat them as Jesus treats you as a shepherd. Be an under-shepherd. And so the, the, a lot of the talks are around the area of what it's like to make mistakes as a shepherd. So they focused on David's mistakes, uh, quite a few apparently. Um, but God was using his life as an example of how to be a better shepherd. And um, Ian's, when he came here in uh, earlier last year, he said that some of the New Testament is echoes of the Old Testament. And so he, this verse from 1 Peter 2.25 is an echo of Psalm 23, where we understand that he's the shepherd of our soul and he's the mercy giver. So, um, uh, that's the sort of framework. One of the things that you notice, and I particularly was aware of it, because my history, I can go back about 100 years and then the trail runs cold on my heritage. I haven't got a clue what happens from there on back in time. <laughs> no, I'm not 100 years old. Um, but family heritage, whereas the people I was with, they were talking millennia. Like, this is their country. They've got people. They're connected to the land. Um, and so it was very... Um, unusual because what happens is they, once they got to know you, they wanted to bring you in as part of family. A couple of the guys wanted a photo uh, of me and them before we got jumped on the train and uh, I jumped on the train and they said, oh, we've got to take a photo. Can you come back off the train? I thought, no, I'm not getting off the train. If this thing goes with my baggage and I'm out here. So I just flicked them a photo of Fiona and I, which is the next slide. Uh, no, there's Frankie. <laughs> That one. Anyway, then I started getting messages back because they really wanted to... You can move on to the next one. <laughs> um, so the, the guy that was playing the guitar, Piddle, he, he was one of... Uh, uh, Piddle, let's say that. Um, he said, I feel like I have a parent in another country. That's you and your wife. They, 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 they embrace and try to make you part of what their, their family. Um, the other guy, Joshua, who... Piddell is the guy on the left-hand front. Joshua is uh, there, and he, uh, he was great. He interpreted for us when we went out into the, to the shopping centre to try and do some evangelism. And uh, he sent me a message saying, um, see you next year, my family. So... It's not hard to feel like you've been to a significantly warm place, not only hot, but warm in relationship, where you're embraced and brought in. And it made me realise that there's not a lot of heritage in my family background, but the people I'm talking to speak from lots of heritage. And, um, and then they've become Christian. Um, Indonesia's 87% Muslim, and Christianity makes up 
with uh, Roman Catholicism be about another 10%. So there's quite a difference. And I found it hard when we went to the shopping centres to try and do any evangelism because you just couldn't get over the language barrier. So in the end, you just go to help in the equipping of the people at the equip. Um, so that you're trying to find, okay, God, what do you want to say? How do you want to lead me? Is there a message or is there a word or is the prophetic word or is the healing? You know, what would you like me to do to be part of in this equipping time? Ephesians 2, 19 to 22. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. That's what I felt like. I was no longer a foreigner and a stranger in their country, but I was because of Christ. And that's what it says in the next bit, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, we were built together into family because of our connection in Christ, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple. And that's the point, is that as a family of God, we get fitted together. There are no, um, no one who's... Um, an outcast. No one's a label. No one's incompatible in the kingdom of God. We all have a part. We all have a place. We're all a family member. And Jesus is the cornerstone, but he fits us together. And so if you're coming here and you feel like, well, I'm not really connected here, well, I hope it's not long before you feel that there is a place here for you and there is a place in the kingdom of God for you, and there's a role for you in the kingdom of God. Uh, when we share our lives together in Christ, we are no longer a foreigner or a stranger to each other. We're family. Now, look about. This is your family. Have a look. Okay. Okay. I can see some resistance here. <laughs> Why don't we stand up and go and greet someone who's your family member and say hello? I'll give you 30 seconds. Number six for me, please. Ah, that's it. All right. <laughs> Family! Yeah. Now, we're not serving coffee yet. Sit down. That's one thing I did learn over there. You don't go like this. You have to go like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's sort of like giving the finger if you do it the wrong way. <laughs> um, that's, yeah, I did. 
I was helping a guy back a car. <laughs> stop it, stop it. <laughs> they got people up at one point to, uh, if you were from a different language. And so we had everything from Zulu and Japanese and Maori and then various forms of Bahasi uh, across um, there. There were like different regional areas of tongues, 13 different ones. And so there was diversity. Um, Sometimes we don't... Um, put the value on a connection to another person that we ought. Peter, uh, when he was with Jesus, just before Jesus was taken for his trial, undervalued the connection he had with Jesus and turned his back on him. Uh, Peter walked into what I think is the valley of shadows. He went into a dark place, a lonely place, a miserable place, away from the intimacy with Jesus and away from his shepherd, the shepherd of his soul. I can't imagine what it was like for Peter when he's denying Jesus three times. The one whose hope, he had so much hope in him and yet he walks away from the green pastures and still waters into the place of want and away from the source of life and interfere of people. Even a servant girl says, oh, you're one of his disciples, no fear. He walked away from Jesus. He walked away from the value of that relationship. And then he pulls his brothers in Christ away as well. And he leaves and goes uh, fishing. And he has the wrong influence amongst his brothers and sisters. He's living in fear. And he's decided to give away his identity as a disciple and go back to identity as a fisher person, a fisherman. Um, And goodness and mercy have stopped following him at this point. Inspiration, creativity, he's alone. Let's read John 21, 3 to 17. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. Ah, has anybody prayed, God, would you give me $50 so I can pay a bill? This week. Has anybody, just then, yeah. Is there anybody here who's in that, in the sense of, I really could do with $50 to pay a bill? This is yours if you need it. Okay. That's all right. Now it's mine. <laughs> then he said to them, We're, oh yeah, I'm sorry. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, We're going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had come, now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? They said, No. And he said to them, Cast the net onto the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. 
This is a, an echo or a replica of the time when Jesus first called Peter. When he called him the first time, he was fishing and he said, I will make you fishers of men. Jesus, Peter's walked away and Jesus pursues him. And he uses the same means of his occupation to attract his attention. And he's about to do a miracle, or he did a miracle, to say to him, I can do fish anytime. I can do fish anytime. I can do resources anytime. But what I want is you. You're part of my plan. You're part of my family. You're the relationship I want. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, that, and that's code for John saying that, it is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits, dragging their net with fish. Then as soon as they came to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and the fish laid on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land, full of large fish, 153, and although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, Come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. It's a little bit like the feeding of the 5,000 again. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, look at me. <laughs> That's where Kath and Kim got that line from. <laughs> Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to them, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to them, Feed my lambs. He's taking him from a fisherman, and not a fisherman of men this time, he's taking him to a shepherd. A shepherd of souls. A shepherd of people. And he said to them a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to them, tend my sheep. And then he said to them a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Jesus restored him. One of the things that occurred over the course of my trip to the Equip was that the Lord restored me. In 1983, I went to a conference. I've been a Christian three years. And I went to a conference called Lead 83, Lead, L-E-A-D, was Learn Essentials About Discipleship. It was one of my first experiences of going to a Christian conference. 
And it was a great time. It was a, uh, I was new to Christianity. I was new to the whole Christian lifestyle. But while I was reading my Bible in my devotions, I read in my regular readings some scriptures, and then I got past it to the end. I went, hang on, what did I just read? So I went back and read it again. Isaiah 55, verse 3. Actually, I'll start with verse 2. You haven't got it, but I'll just read it. Um, Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Verse 3. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear and your soul shall live. And I'll make an everlasting covenant with you. The sure mercies of David. Indeed, I have given him as a witness to the people, a leader and commander for the people. Surely you shall call a nation you do not know, and nations who you do not know shall run to you because of the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. And I stopped and I read that and I thought, are you speaking to me, Lord? Are you, are you saying this promise to me? Is it possible that me, as a Christian of only three years, you would say something as significant as that you will do these wonderful things because you want to bring your glory through to people? And I took up that verse and I, I used it as a motivation for me in my Christian endeavours for years after. But when I went to the equip, that verse had sort of lost its momentum in my life. And during the course, I had occasion to meditate again on this verse. And I felt like Peter, where Jesus pulls you aside and he says, I've got a plan for you. I want you to get back in touch with your identity. I've changed your identity. I want you to live in that identity. I've got a place of intimacy that I want to have with you. Verses 3 and 4 of Psalm 23. I've got an intimacy. I've got a place of feasting. I've got a place where you and I hang out, where I will show you things that you do not know. I will change your soul, the place of your decisions. I will help you make better decisions. I will take you into places of of better thinking and better living. I will actually help you in the area of influence where I will set a table before your enemies and you will have influence in that place. In this particular case, it made a a promise that I would go to peoples that I did not know and I felt like it in Indonesia. People I didn't know were coming to me and saying wonderful things about how they felt like family and it was significant. And I'm not just saying this because it's great for me. I've got a sense that God is moving on this church to change the sense of family that we have now that we've got this building. And that it's going to be a place where... Well, actually, that was the message that was Stephen Brown spoke, wasn't it? Uh, Or was it Russ? Welcome home. Welcome home. We're family. And I've got a sense that God is going to work in individuals' lives throughout this congregation to help you understand your home, your family, 
you've got an identity in him and he's got more for you. He's got more for you to do as part as he knits us together and gives us a purpose here in this community. Um, Now, the opposite is ugly. And the next slide is probably one of those ugly ones. Oh, sorry, not that one. Just, can you... (laughs) Next one, next one, next one. Ah, when I I was over there, one of the guys, one of the guys came up to me and said, I've got a picture of you. (laughs) So I had to watch the movie last night to see what it was about. (laughs) Next slide. That's the one. Yeah, oh, yuck, yes. Um... This is not, this is, uh, yeah, let me qualify this. This is a bodybuilder, yeah. And bodybuilders go into competitions and they're judged by the appearance of their strength but not on their strength. By the appearance of the muscles and the development that they've created. And they spend months in the gym targeting specific muscles muscle groups to get them as large as possible and they eat an insane amount of hydro, uh, sorry, cal- calories to bulk up. <clears throat> and then as the competition uh, comes close, they cut their calories down to the point where they're eating uh, with a, and end up with a body fat percentage of less than 10%. And on the competition days, they even go further to dehydrate themselves and malnourish themselves so that there's just muscles left. And it's a sad thing when we're impressed more with the appearance than with actual strength. When Samuel went to anoint one of Jesse's sons to be the king of Israel, the Lord told him in 1 Samuel 16:7, do not look on his appearance or on the height or his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. We easily fall into Samuel's temptation to judge the health of a church by its outward appearance. We can think the strongest church is outwardly impressive, like a bodybuilder in a competition. And like bodybuilders, churches love to flex before a crowd. Number of campuses, size of the building, the facilities, (laughs) the average attendance... Number of programs. Oh, that hurt. (laughs) (laughs) Growing revenues. There are lots. Yeah. (laughs) Luckily. Um, So there's lots of things where a church might try to flex its statistics. And it masquerades as strength, but it's actually weakness. And we don't want to replicate that. We want to be hydrated in the Holy Spirit. We want to be nourished by biblical and kingdom truths. And we want to be powerfully connected to each other in love. Powerfully connected to each other in love. These guys are individualists. That's their nature. 
they chisel their form until they can attract attention to their impressive and inflated muscles. But we go to a different tune. We're family members that are linked by bonds of love and peace from Jesus. It's a different kind of beauty. I think we... Oh, good. You got rid of it. Yeah. Just like Eve was formed from the genetic makeup of a man, of the man, so the church is formed from the spiritual makeup of Jesus. And that's beautiful to, Jesus, uh, to the Father. The Father's looking for a bride. And he's looking for us to be united, fitted together, and loving each other. So, what do we want to do with all this? Maybe the musicians can come back. Somebody's got to save this message. (laughs) That's not the body I want. If you could put up slide 10. That's the body I want. That's the body I want. You're the body I want. Fitted together, serving Jesus with a part to play. I went there and I had a part to play. Encouraging people who were discouraged or strengthened or there were people who came to share and there were people who came to receive. But we're all part of the body. Let's... um, have a song and then uh, we might yeah just before we get into worship I just felt this Tony was sharing that that there's some people here that God's spoken some things just like he had to Tony spoken some things into your life some dreams some vision, and maybe that's lost momentum. Maybe it's actually shriveled up and died. And he wants to breathe life again. From the very beginning, as we started as a church, there was something of God speaking about breathing life into dry bones. And if there's something dry there, but maybe, well, if that's you, Even as we sing this, would you just allow God to breathe his life into you? But maybe he hasn't spoken anything to you, and he wants to. Would you open your ears to hear? But there's something else in that, in that God is doing something in drawing people together with different gifts and different uh, abilities and different visions and different things, but he puts us together in the, the body that Tony was talking about. Uh, and there's something of God doing that. Jesus adds to the church. So I want to encourage you, if God's putting something in you of being added, don't hold back. Just respond to him. Can we stand as we, uh, as we sing? What are we going to say? Hosanna. Sing Hosanna once again. And then let's just take a moment before we go off to the day and allow the Holy Spirit to to speak into us.